positive cash flow and the ability to help consolidate the industry. I actually saw some charts from Mike Mogison, who's this Wall Street, I'll call him a strategist. So he's been writing on basically innovation for about 27 years now. And, and I saw a chart in the most recent piece, which just showed that like in the case of like automobiles in the 20s, and I think computers in the 80s, as the number of companies fell, production actually increased. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on MJ Bulls, we are joined by Maxim Jacobs, the Senior Vice President and Head of Investor Relations at Russo Partners. Maxim, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I've really been looking forward to our conversation because normally we feature cannabis companies that are raising capital, but today we're going to talk about how those companies can improve their chances of actually getting funded. Maximum, a few years ago, all a cannabis company needed was a nice deck and a good story to secure funding, but those days are gone. Why is it getting so difficult for cannabis companies to raise money? Honestly, it's, it's difficult for all companies to raise money. Actually, it's nothing personal. It, it's basically any negative cash flow company in this market is having a hell of a time. I, I focus mainly on the healthcare space, and it's been about seven weeks since we've had an IPO. Mm -hmm. And just market-wide, IPOs are down 94% in the first half of 2022 compared to the first half of 2021. It's abysmal. So everyone's having trouble, whether you're trying to go, obviously, the normal IPO route, the SPACs are having a hell of a time because it's, it's kind of easy to get into a SPAC, but it's kind of hard to de-SPACs. Like if they think they're going to get $100 million at the end of the rainbow because there's like $100 million in the SPAC, but then like 98% of the investors redeemed because they didn't want to invest in what was being actually merged into the SPAC. So it's just a disaster. Well, at Russo Partners, you help your clients get the type of media exposure that investors like to sort of help them out into this process and maybe make them have a little bit more competitive advantage than some of their peers. How are some of the ways that you do that? Look, anytime you're in this kind of market, you just have to be out there and doing a variety of different things. So it's not just trying to get someone at a like the New York Times to write an article on you. There's only so many of those that are going to come around. But there's just a lot of venues that you can use podcasts. You can do byline pieces. You just keep it coming so that you're you're out there and, and people do notice. And it, it's better than the other way, which I think that a lot of companies naturally do this, which is they get into some bunker mentality like oh nobody cares what i have to say we should just sit this out and not bother well it's, it's like a guarantee of failure it's not going to work and, and really why would an investor invest in your company when they know you're going to be dead money like I, I can just like come back later your stock is going to be half of where it is today and i'll invest then what we tell our clients is look you have to be out there you might think no one's listening but they are and the only companies that succeed in these bear markets. It's the ones that are out there and they're doing stuff and they're keeping investors' attention. They're not just sitting in their office and lamenting their stock. One thing that I notice that is hard for founders or CEOs to get their head around is that the messaging 
to investors isn't always exactly the same as what the messaging is to customers. For instance, investors get excited about your management team, but customers could care less about your management team. So trying to craft a message that gets an investor excited, it's a special skill. And you sometimes find it challenging to convince the founders that they have to tweak their message. Well, first of all, founders aren't necessarily living in the present. They might be living in the past. They might be living two years ago. So they think that whatever their business model or their expenses are, they're fine. They don't really need to change anything. Well, we're in a different world. You can't just be the 90th company that's trying to do low-cost cultivation of cannabis. There's there going to be some winners there, but it's, it's a race to the bottom. The prices are just going to fall. The amount of money you're going to be able to get is just going to fall. And we're in a period of inflation. So I don't think your costs are going to be falling that much. And and I remember seeing it was almost the exact same business plan, but just like the location of the cultivation would be different. Like, hey, we're going to do Tanzania. We're going to do whatever locale where we argue we can get a cheaper cultivation. It reminded me of 20 years ago when people were laying fiber for the telecom companies and you had like a million of them. It was the same business plan. It was basically the same map of what they're going to connect. And you're just like, okay, this is not going to work for 90% of them. So the companies need to really be nimble. They need to be thinking about what is the world like today? And they can't assume that things are going to turn around this year. And that's a problem I've had with a lot of companies. They have blinders on in terms of let's say their expenses, like let's say on the biotech side, they could be burning 100 million, 200 million a year. And they're not really willing to cut anything more than on the margin. And it's like, well, where are you going to get the money to actually fund this? It's like, oh, we'll turn around. It's like, you can't assume Uh that. I mean, this is probably the worst macroeconomic setup that we've had for decades. This is worse than 2008. This is worse than 2000. We have not had a Fed raising rates this steeply into a recession for quite some time. I don't know, maybe the last time was the Great Depression. I don't know, but it's been a long time. It's not like the olden days when Greenspan or Bernanke at the first sign of trouble starts lowering rates. That's not what's going to happen now. So it's going to be, you know, a very difficult situation for, for everybody, for investors, for the companies, and they need to just be realistic. And you know, some companies within the cannabis space today are actually very well positioned. The large companies, the multi-state operators that have the exposure in, in different locales who have positive cash flow and the ability to help consolidate the industry. I actually saw some charts from Mike Mobison, who's this Wall Street, I'll call him a strategist. So he's been writing on basically innovation for about 27 years now. And and I saw a chart in most recent piece, which just showed that like in the case of like automobiles in the 20s, and I think computers in the 80s, as the number of companies fell, production actually increased. So it's like, look, you you get certain economies of scale, you get this consolidation, you get that critical mass as a company to really be able to expand versus, I mean, do you really need like 50 companies that are duplicating corporate GNA? All of them have CFOs and CEOs, all that's like kind of wasted. Instead, you could have like just a few of those kinds of guys. And then a lot of people actually who produce stuff rather than just administrating stuff. 
Yeah. So that's what we're going to need. And look, if you're invested in the cannabis space, you want to be invested in Amazon. You don't want to be invested in Webvan. No one has a crystal ball, but there are certain things that excite investors that usually are a little different than what excites customers. And, and, and so that's, you know, kind of one of the things that we always have to keep in mind when we're raising money is that investors sometimes are motivated by different things. Well, yeah, they're naturally going to want different things. Like for example, investors generally don't ask about a company's customer service. They probably should. Because right. that's the question of what is their customer retention going to be? And the companies themselves are probably focused on that a lot, just like making sure that their customers are happy. But yeah, investors don't necessarily care about that so much, or that's not like the first thing they care. But look, investors are going to want to know that the people in charge have done this kind of thing before. Obviously, in an industry like cannabis, it's going to be difficult to show like, I've done exactly the same thing before. But if you can show like, look, you're a successful entrepreneur, who has this operational practicality that will mean that when things go wrong, you'll be able to keep your head and get to the other side. Because that's that's really what you need. In biotech, for example, it's sort of like with real estate. It's all about management, 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 instead of location, location, location. That's the same thing with these, these cannabis companies as well. It's about the management. People that you feel like you can trust that know what time it is, they're sensible, and we'll be able to solve the problems that will inevitably come up. Jeez. That's exactly what these, everyone needs to hear right now, because this, this is a scary time for a lot of companies, especially if they're in the raise mode right now. And I wish we had more time to dig deeper in this, but we'll have the links to the Russo's partner information in the show notes. So if, if anybody that's listening right now wants to learn more or maybe jump on a call to speak with Maxim, I'm sure somebody on his team will be happy to talk to you. Maxim, this is good stuff. We, we could go on and on and on about this. And I wish it was more robust economy right now. But like you said, there's winners in this economy, just like there's winners mm-hmm. in other economies. And so keep your head up and let's keep stay focused. Thanks for being on the show today. Sure. No, thank you for having me. And look, if anyone does want to reach out, I'm always happy to talk. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. 
We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.